Okay, I'm going to try and record this again. All you people at home, I'm so sorry. We're going to read pages 53 to 63 today, but there's some parts we're going to skip. So here we go. We're on page 53 where it says, shut the relatives up. This is Beatty. Shut the relatives up, said Beatty, looking around at everything except Montag and his wife. This time, Mildred ran. The yammering voices stopped yelling in the parlor. Beatty, Captain Beatty sat down in the most comfortable chair with a peaceful look on his ruddy face. He took time to prepare and light his brass pipe and puff out a great cloud of smoke. Just thought I'd come by and see how the sick man is. How did you guess? Beatty smiled his smile, which showed the candy pinkness of his gums and the tiny candy whiteness of his teeth. I've seen it all. You were going to call for a night off. Montag sat in bed. Well, said Beatty, take the night off. He ex examined his eternal matchbox the lid of which said guaranteed one million lights in this igniter and began to strike in the chemical match abstractedly. Blow out, strike, blow out, strike, speak a few words, blow out. He looked at the flame, he blew, he looked at the smoke. When will you be well? Uh, tomorrow, the next day maybe, first of the week. Beatty puffed his pipe. Every fireman sooner or later hits this. The only, they only need understanding to know how the wheels run. Need to know the history of our profession. They don't feed it to the rookies like they used to. Damn shame. Puff. Only fire chiefs remember it now. Puff. I'll let you in on it. Mildred fidgeted. Beatty took a full minute to settle himself in and think back for what he wanted to say. When did it all start, you ask, this job of ours? How did it really come about? Where? When? Well, I'd say it really got started around a thing called the Civil War, even though our rule book claims it was founded earlier. The fact is, we didn't get along well until photography came into its own. Then motion pictures in the early 20th century, radio, television, things began to have mass. Montag sat in bed, not moving. And because they had mass, they became simpler, said Beatty. Once books appealed to a few people here, there, everywhere, they could afford to be different. The world was roomy, but then the world got full of eyes and elbows and mouths. Double, triple, quadruple population, films and radio, radios, Magazine, books leveled down to a sort of pace pudding norm. Do you follow me? Uh, I think so. Beatty peered into, at the smoke pattern he had put out in the air. Picture it. 19th century man with his horses, dogs, carts, slow motion. Then in the 20th century, speed up your camera. Books cut shorter. Condensations, digest, tabloids, everything boils down to the gags, the snap ending. Snap ending, Mildred nodded. Classics cut to fit 15-minute radio shows and cut again to fill a two-minute book column, winding up at last as 10 or 12-line 12 12 dictionary resume. I exaggerate, of course. The dictionaries were for reference, but many were those whose sole knowledge of Hamlet, you know the title, certainly, Montag. It is probably only a faint rumor of a title to you, Mrs. Montag. Whose sole knowledge, as I say, of Hamlet was a one-page digest in a book that claimed, now at least you can read the all the classics, keep up with your neighbors. Do you see... Out of the nursery, into the college, and then back to the nursery. There's your intellectual pattern for the past five centuries or more. Okay, Beatty talks a lot, but here's what he's trying to say. And see if he's right. Back in the day, before there were movies and television and radio, people had books for entertainment. That's all they had. So they got all their knowledge from these long pieces of fiction and long pieces of nonfiction. Then we started getting radio shows, and they cut it shorter. And then they got movies, and they made it faster. And people would rather re watch a movie than read a book. I know my daughter would. I don't know about you guys. How many of you guys actually read books for entertainment? A few, right? Not very many. Um, how many of you read books for information? A few, but not very many. 
Um, so, and sometimes you're forced to, like I know in school you have to read some things. Um, how many of you guys read the newspaper? Like the whole article, not just the headlines. <laughs> Only if it's about something you care about, right? Um, you know, the other day there was a headline on my Facebook wall that said Sean Connery died. I don't know how he died. I don't know, he was an actor, he was a uh, James Bond actor. I don't know how he died. I don't know where he died. I don't know what caused his death because I didn't read the story. I only read the headline. I was like, oh, Sean Connery died. I'm so sad. But that's it. I didn't read anything else about it because all I read was the headline. So things, things have shortened and shortened and shortened to where we just get quick information. That's all we want. We want the movie. We want the headline. We want the radio story. But we don't want these big books anymore. They, they have too much in them. It takes too much time. And that's, so he said, basically, we went from the nursery to the college where people were learning all this information and now we're back to the nursery again which is basically is calling us all what it's calling us all stupid that's Beatty. he's saying we're all we all don't get this big information anymore okay mildred rose and began to move around the room picking things up and putting them down Beatty ignored her and continued speed up the film montag quick click pick look i now flip here there swift pace up down in out why how who what where a eh? Uh, bang, smack, wallop, bing, bang, boom. Digest, 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 digest. Politics? One column. Two sentences. A headline. Then in midair, all vanishes. Whirl a man's mind about so fast under these pumping hands of publishers, exploiters, broadcasters, that the centrifuge flings off all unnecessary time-wasting thought. Mildred smoothed the bedclothes. Montag felt his heart jump and jump again as she patted his pillow. Uh-oh, why is he nervous? The book's behind the pillow. Mildred doesn't know about the book, but she's patting his pillow. Like She's like walking around cleaning stuff just to be, keep herself busy, and she starts cleaning his bed, like straightening his bed up. Right now, she was pulling at his shoulder, trying to get him to move so she could take the pillow out and fix it nicely and put it back, and perhaps cry out or stare simply, reach down her, or simply reach down her hand and say, what's this? And hold up the hidden book without touching innocence. School is shortened. Discipline relaxed, philosophies, histories, languages dropped, English and spelling gradually, gradually neglected, finally almost completely ignored. Is that true about school? We've cut out things like all the philosophies and history classes. We've shortened English and made it where we don't really care about spelling as much anymore. What? Well, I mean, why don't we care about like teaching spelling anymore? Okay. Did you guys have spelling in, when you were younger, like spelling classes? Well, yeah, okay. Well, at the school I taught it before, Dakota didn't have a lot of spelling. Exactly. We have autocorrect now. Not in 1953 they didn't, but he knew that things were going to change and spelling wouldn't be as important. Um, it, it used, it's weird. Like Spelling is more important, I mean, less important now because you guys can type a word in and it'll spell it for you. That's kind of nice. Um, life is immediate. The job counts. Pleasure lies all about after work. Why learn anything? Say pressuring, pressing buttons, pulling switches, fitting nuts and bolts. Let me fix your pillow, said Mildred. No, whispered Montag. The zipper displaces the button and man lacks just that much time to think while dressing at dawn, a philosophical hour and thus melancholy hour. Mildred said, here, get away, said Montag. Life becomes one big pratfall, Montag. Everything bang, boff, and wow. Wow, said Mildred, yanking at the pillow. For God's sake, let me be, cried Montag passionately. Beatty opened his eyes wide. 
Mildred's hand had frozen behind the pillow. Her fingers were tracing the book's outline, and as the shape became familiar, her face looked surprised and then stunned. Her mouth opened to ask a question. What has she figured out? He has a book. She hasn't said anything yet, but she feels it. Empty the theater, save for clowns, and furnish the rooms with glass walls and pretty colors, running up and down the walls like confetti or blood or sherry or sauntering. You like baseball, don't you, Montag? Uh, baseball's a fine game. Now Beatty was almost invisible, a voice somewhere behind a screen of smoke. What's this? asked Mildred, almost with delight. Montag heaved back against her arms. What's this here? Sit down, Montag shouted. She jumped away, her hands empty. We're talking. Beatty went on as if nothing had happened. You like bowling, don't you, Montag? Bowling, yes. And golf? Golf's a fine game. Basketball? <laughs> a fine game. Billiards, pool, football. They're fine games, all of them. More sports for everyone. Group spirit, fun, and you don't have to think, eh? Organize and organize and super organize super, super sports. More cartoons and books, more pictures. The mind drinks less and less. Impatience. Highways full of crowds going somewhere, 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 nowhere. The gasoline refugee. Towns turn into motels. People in a nomadic surges from place to place, following the moon tides. Leaving tonight in the room before uh, where you slept this noon, and I, and I the night before. Montag again. I mean, Beatty again. Just saying here, we have filled our life with so much entertainment. We don't really want to watch the news unless it's the sports section or the sports edition part of it. You know, all we care about is sports nowadays. That's all we want: sports and movies and entertainment. Mildred went out of the room and slammed the door. The parlor aunts began to laugh at the parlor uncles. So Mildred's like, I'm done with this conversation. She goes into the TV room. Okay, here's where we're going to skip Beatty because he just keeps blabbing on and on. So we're actually going to skip all the way to page 60. He does not shut up. <laughs> um, we're going to... We're, it, there's a paragraph before it says the fireworks died in the, par died in the parlor. Mildred's still in the parlor, though. We're going to start with there was a girl next door. This is Montag talking. There was a girl next door, he said slowly. She's gone now, I, I think, dead. I can't even remember her face, but she was different. How? How did she happen? Beatty smiled. Here or there, there's bound, that's bound to occur. Clarice McClellan, he knows who she's talking about. We have a record on her family. We've watched them carefully. Heredity and environment are funny things. You can't rid yourselves of all the odd ducks in just a few years. The home environment can undo a lot you try to do in school. That's why we've lowered the kindergarten age year after year until now we're almost snatching them from the cradle. We've had some false alarms on the McClellans when they lived in Chicago. Never found a book. Hm. Uncle had a mixed record, antisocial. The girl, she was a time bomb. The family had been feeding her subconscious, I'm sure, from what I saw of her school record. She didn't want to know how a thing was done. She wanted to know why, but why. That can be embarrassing. You ask, you ask why to a lot of things, and you wind up very unhappy indeed if you keep at it. The poor girl's better off dead. Yes, dead. Lucky, and this word means weird. Lucky, queer, luckily, queer ones like her don't happen often. We know how to nip most of them in the bud early. What does it sound like has happened to Clarice? Nip most of them in the bud? What? Yeah, she was murdered by who, do you think? What? Well, she was hit by a car. I'm, I'm wondering if it's not, if it wasn't ordered, like someone had her killed. 
Maybe, maybe Captain Beatty. Maybe the mafia. All right, we're going to skip. He's going to talk some more, blah, blah, blah. We're going to go to page 61 at the bottom. Beatty got up. Oh, I must be going. Lecture's over. I hope I've clarified things. The important things for you to remember, Montag, is we're the happiness boys, the Dixie duo, you and I, and the others. We stand against the small tide of those who want to make everyone unhappy with conflicting theory and thought, like people like Paris. We have our fingers in the dike, which is, okay, it's like a wall that holds back water. And sometimes this is a reference to like a, when there's a leak in, the, in the, the wall, they put their finger in it to try to make the, the water stop coming out. Hold steady. Don't let the torrent of melancholy and drear philosophy drown our world. We depend on you. I don't think you realize how important you are. We are to our happy world as it stands. Now, Beatty shook Montag's limp hand. Montag still sat as if the house were collapsing about him and he could not move in the bed. Mildred had vanished from the door. <clears throat> one last thing, said Beatty. Listen to this, guys. At least once in his career, every fireman gets an itch. What do the books say, he wonders. Oh, to scratch that itch, eh? Well, Montag, take my word for it. I've had to read a few books in my time to know what, it, what I was about, and the books say nothing. Nothing you can teach or believe. They're about non-existent people, figments of imagination if they're fiction, and if they're non-fiction, it's worse. One professor calling another an idiot. One philosopher screaming down another's gullet. All of them running about, putting out the stars and extinguishing the sun. You come away lost. Well, this is Montag. Well, then, what if a fireman accidentally, really not intending anything, takes a book home with him? Montag twitched. The open door looked at him with its great vacant eye. Ah, it's a natural error. error. A curiosity alone, said Beatty. We don't get over anxious or mad. We let the fireman keep the book 24 hours. If he hasn't burned it by then, we simply come burn it for him. Oh, of course. Montag's mouth was dry. Well, Montag, will you take another later shift today? We'll see you tonight, perhaps? I don't know, said Montag. What? Beatty looked faintly surprised. Montag shut his eyes. I'll be in later, maybe. We'd certainly miss you if you didn't show, said Beatty, putting his pipe in his pocket thoughtfully. I'll never come in again, thought Montag. Get well and keep well, said Beatty. He turned and went out through the open door. Do you think Beatty knows about the book? Yeah. Is he kind of threatening him? Yeah. He's like, he, what is he, what's the basic threat here if you don't do what in 24 hours? If you don't burn it, we're coming and we're going to burn it for you along with everything else in your house and you're getting arrested. Basically what he says. What? Yeah. And then he makes another threat. He basically says, if you don't come in tonight, well, we certainly miss you if you didn't come in. You better come in. <laughs> So there's two big threats here that Beatty makes. He pretty much knows Montag has a book. Anyway, that's where we're stopping today. <laughs> All right.